اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم جعل اللہ القعبت اللہ has made the Kaaba what is Al-Kaaba Al-Bayt Al-Haram the sacred house Al-Bayt it is the house meaning the house of Allah and it is Al-Haram sacred what does it mean by that that certain things which are permissible elsewhere are forbidden over here so it becomes a sacred place for example Fighting, war may take place outside of this area, but not inside. It's not allowed. Certain things are forbidden. Likewise, you may cut trees, but it is not allowed to do that inside the haram. So Allah has made the Kaaba, which is the sacred house. What has He made it? Qiyamal linnas. A standing for the people. What does it mean by Qiyam? Qiyam over here gives the meaning of one that... is a source of making something stand. So basically, Qiyam gives the meaning of support. One that makes the other stand. Something by which you make something else stand. So a prop, a support. So Allah has made the Kaaba a support for the people. What does it mean by this? Meaning He has made it a means of of their religious and worldly sustenance. Their religious lives and their worldly lives depend on what? The Kaaba. Without the Kaaba, their religious, their spiritual lives would be nothing. Their worldly lives would also be damaged. So basically, it is a means of sustaining their worldly and religious benefits. How is that so? Think about it. Spiritually, when people go to the Kaaba, they go for Hajj, then it's as though they have come to life. Spiritually, their deen becomes alive. Many people, they're not regular in their prayers, regular in giving charity, regular in remembering Allah, but when they go for Hajj, they change. Likewise, you feel as though you're experiencing a law in your iman. You go for umrah and you come back refreshed. Isn't it so? You learn so many things. People go over there and their lives change. Imam Bukhari, he went to Makkah for hajj and then he stayed in Makkah. He didn't go back with his mother and brother. He stayed in Makkah. He learned there for several years. About 16 years he learned over there. So many people, they go there and their lives are transformed. In the worldly sense, now we see that there's trade everywhere. The system is completely different. But back then, when the world was not like a global village, back then we see that people's worldly lives also depended on the Kaaba. That because people would go for Hajj, they would go to visit the house of Allah. As a result, there was trade. People from outside of Arabia or far parts of Arabia would bring in their products to Makkah. And the people would have various exchanges. Even today actually, many people, they don't get to travel to China. They don't get to travel to Japan. Right? They don't get to travel to so many parts of the world. But they go to Makkah and they find things from all over the world. Correct? And today you'll find it in a, in a very modern way. That for example, people in some countries, they don't have Starbucks. Right? They don't have... Uh, many stores that you have over here. But when they go for Umrah, they, when they go for Hajj, they find all sorts of stores over there and that's where they go shopping. Correct? 
Now we believe that, oh, it's so wrong to go there for shopping. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that there is no harm if you seek the fadl of Allah, meaning money, when you go for hajj. Correct? Which means that your main focus should not be shopping. Your main focus should be ibadah. But at the same time, if you do manage to buy a few things here or there, then there is absolutely no harm. Okay? There is absolutely no harm in that. So people's worldly sustenance also depends on what? On the karba. For some people, a lot. And for some people, little bit. Many people, they won't buy gold here. But when they go to Saudi, then they'll buy gold. Right? Many people, they won't buy fragrances over here. But when they go there, then they buy lots of different types of itr. Correct? Are you, are you with me? Do you understand what I'm saying over here? Or do you think I'm talking about a different world that you don't recognize? We do experience this or we have seen people right, experiencing this. So Allah has made Kaaba Bayt Al-Haram Qiyamul Linnas. And also the thing is that in Arabia life was very difficult because there was no security. A person would be traveling and he would be robbed. And as a result, everything he had would be lost, sometimes even his own life, sometimes the lives of his closest ones. But because of Hajj, people would travel, their trade caravans were secure. Why? Because people had respect for, at least they had respect for the Hujjaj, they had respect for the Kaaba. So as a result, the economy thrived. People would get to buy food, and, and they would get to have uh, business as well. So, جَعَلَ اللَّهُ الْكَعْبَةَ الْبَيْتَ الْحَرَامَ قِيَامًا لِلنَّاسِ وَالشَّهْرَ الْحَرَامَ And also the sacred months. The sacred months, the months in which fighting is prohibited, even they are قِيَامًا لِلنَّاسِ What else is قِيَامًا لِلنَّاسِ وَالْهَدِي And the sacrificial animals وَالْقَلَائِدْ And the garlanded animals. Meaning all these four things are qiyam al-linnas. What four things? First of all, karba. Secondly, shahr al-haram. Thirdly, al-hadi. And fourthly, al-qala'id. Now karba, it's understood how that is a means of standing for the people of their worldly and religious benefits. What about the sacred months? How are they a qiyam al-linnas? Because fighting was not allowed in that time. So for those four months, people traveled securely, in safety. Their lives were not in danger, their properties were not in danger. I mean, we learn about it in Surah Al-Quraysh. لِإِلَافِ قُرَيْشِ إِلَافِهِمْ رِحْلَةَ الشِّتَاءِ وَالصَّيْفِ فَلْيَعْبُدُ رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ أَلَّذِي أَطْعَمَهُمْ مِنْ جُوعٍ وَأَمَنَهُمْ مِنْ خَوْفٍ That who has fed them, saving them from hunger, made them safe, saving them from fear, that how they can travel back and forth in winter and in summer. And in particular, in the sacred months, they could travel very, very easily. So, Shahr al-Haram. Hadi. What is Hadi? Sacrificial animals. Animals that are sent to the Haram for the purpose of sacrifice. And this could be for various reasons. We learned that if a person has to give kafara for having hunted during the state of Ihram, then he has to give Hadi Baligh al-Ka'ba. Now the thing is that when people would have Hadi with them, the animals of sacrifice with them, that are to be taken to the Kaaba. Then, the worst of robbers even, they would let them go. Why? Because they would say, oh, these animals are being taken to the Haram. These people are going to the Haram, so let them be. Don't bother them. Don't harm them. Qala'it, in particular, refers to those animals that had garlands around their necks. What's a garland? 
can say it's like a big necklace. Okay, you may have seen in certain cultures on weddings, the bride and the groom, both are made to wear huge necklaces of flowers. So those are what? Garlands. Now, they would put garlands around their animals. Which animals? That were taken by the pilgrims for the purpose of sacrifice. Hadi is what? What's the difference between Hadi and Qala'id? Now listen carefully because this question might come on your next test. What is Hadi? Hadi is animal that is offered as sacrifice. Could be for different reasons. Kafara, other reasons. Qala'id in particular is what? That is taken by the pilgrim for sacrifice. You know when you go for Hajj, you have to offer sacrifice over there, right? These days you just go buy a ticket. Back then you would have to take your animal with you. And people, to mark those animals, what would they do? They would put a garland around the neck. Now that garland was not made of flowers. It would be made of anything. Sometimes it would even hang a shoe or something like that. But just anything to mark the animal that this is going to be sacrificed for the sake of Allah by someone who is doing Hajj. So as a result, the worst of robbers would let them go. So as a result of all this, we see that people could travel easily in safety through Arabia. Has any one of you traveled between Medina and Makkah? Have you taken this journey during the night? Think about it. Even during the day, if you're traveling over there, aren't the roads empty? Despite the fact that there are so many people traveling back and forth, but still you look to your right and it's just desert. You look to your left and it's all desert. Yes, there are lights on the roads, but otherwise there are no lights. Now imagine you're traveling through that desert and there are no cars, no roads, no gas stations, nothing like that. It would be scary in itself. And then imagine there's the fear of robbers. There's a fear of people who would kill you just for your money. Have you watched that documentary of Ibn Battuta? It was a long time ago. They had shown it over here at the Science Center, right? So anyway, in that documentary also, you see how he was chased by robbers. And that was what? A journey of Hajj. Now imagine by that time, the situation was so corrupted. But... In Arabia, Jahili Arabia even, the people had respect for hujjaj. They're going for hajj, so don't bother them. As a result, they could go worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, get some spiritual sustenance. And at the same time, earn some worldly benefits as well. So Allah says, all of these things, Allah has set, not just for the performance of your rituals, but also for your security and safety, for your worldly benefits, for your spiritual benefits. All of this has been set up. Why? So that you will know that Allah knows everything that is in the heavens and everything that is in the earth. And that Allah is with everything completely aware. He is all-knowing of everything. What is Allah saying over here? That the sacred times, the sacred places, the people who should be respected because they're going for hajj, the animals that have been rendered sacred because they're going to be slaughtered for Allah, for the sake of Allah. All of these matters, they ingrain in us this awareness that Allah knows everything. How? 
A person who is used to robbing others, travelers, if he sees hujjaj traveling with hadi and qala'id, what does he do? He stops. He doesn't harm them. There's a group of other travelers who don't have hadi qala'id with them. They're not in ihram. He will go and rob them. Why is he not robbing the first group? Because he knows that Allah has given these people some respect. So I have to accept it as well. And at this time, what does he realize? That my Lord is watching me. This is why I cannot harm them. This is not what I'm supposed to do. This is just like you go to certain places. The police is very active. So what happens? You become more conscious. And this should make us realize that Allah is ever watching of me more than the police is. Every time a person gets caught, then what does he realize? You know, I do so many wrong things and Allah is watching me all the time. When we are caught for our wrongdoing, what do we realize? What's the first lesson that we learn? That Allah is watching me even more. Allah knows about me even more. When you read a bank statement even, every transaction is written, what does that make you realize? That Allah is watching every single action of mine. This is just my bank statement. On the day of judgment, a bigger statement will be presented. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us over here that by all of these rules that Allah has set, these things, these times, these places which Allah has made sacred, the purpose is so that you realize the vastness of Allah's knowledge, the vastness of His power, that you are not free anywhere. Not just in Makkah, but even in other places. Not just in certain times, but also at all times. So you should be aware of Allah. He says, اِعْلَمُوا Know أَنَّ اللَّهَ شَدِيدُ الْعِقَابِ That Allah is severe in penalty. وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَحِيمٌ And that Allah is also forgiving and merciful. What is iqab? Iqab is from aqib, heel. And heel is at the back of the foot. So just like that, when a person does an action, there is punishment. It follows him. So iqab is the follow-up punishment for the wrong that a person has done. So Allah is severe in penalty. And at the same time, He is forgiving and merciful. Now typically, we remember that He is forgiving and merciful, but we forget that He is also severe in penalty. Which is why we allow ourselves to do many wrong things. Which is why we allow ourselves to do khiyana here and there. He says, no, that He is severe in retribution, and at the same time, He is also forgiving and merciful. Allah says, مَا عَلَى الرَّسُولِ إِلَّا الْبَلَاغِ Not upon the messenger is except for notification. Meaning the only responsibility on the messenger is what? Al-Balagh, to convey. And did the messenger ﷺ fulfill his responsibility? Yes, he did. Remember the incident of Hajjat al-Wada? When he asked the people, and the people said that yes, you have delivered. So he says, O oh Allah, bear witness. So the messenger, his responsibility is to convey. And he did fulfill his responsibility. Now what is our responsibility when we have heard? To accept and obey. And Allah says, وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ And Allah knows مَا تُبْدُونَ What you reveal, وَمَا تَكْتُمُونَ And what you conceal, what you hide. He knows what you do and what you keep in your heart. He knows what you say, what you express, and what you keep as a secret. 
meaning your heartbeats even, that are not heard outside, He knows about them. The feelings that you keep secure in your heart, you promise never to utter them. The beliefs, the things that you have in your heart, and you promise that you're never going to let anyone know about them, Allah knows about it. وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ مَا تُبْدُونَ وَمَا تَكْتُمُونَ So a warning is being given over here. That all of these rules Allah has established. The messenger, He has conveyed them to you. Now, it's up to you. You obey or you disobey. And then Allah will call you to account. For what? What you hide and what you reveal. What you do openly and what you do privately, what you do secretly. Because many matters, especially related to hajj, they are very private. Who can find out whether you trimmed your nails or not? Who can find out whether you performed a certain ritual properly or not? Nobody can keep a check on you. It's a private matter. It's a very private matter. So it's between you and Allah. The Messenger has informed you the way of Hajj. The Messenger has informed you the things that you have to be careful about. And Allah knows what you do openly and secretly. And He will take you to account. He will give you the recompense for what you do. Allah says, say that the impure and the pure, they are not equal. La yastawi. Istiwa is what? When something becomes equal. So two things, they are not equal, they're not at the same level. Allah says in the Quran, ala That you become equal, meaning you become balanced on the backs of your animals. You become balanced, you become equal. Meaning you have settled, you are balanced, you are sitting comfortably, then you say the dua. So when you have embarked on the animal and have become balanced. So the two things are not at the same level because when something is balanced, then what does it mean? Both are of equal weight. They're at the same level. So Khabith and Tayyib, Allah says they're not at the same level. They are not the same. They're both at very, very different levels. Why? Because both are very different. If you put something as heavy as, let's say, a pan on one side of the scale, and on the other side you put something like a plastic spoon, will they be at the same level? There will be a huge difference. So just like that, Khabib and Tayyib have a huge, a huge difference between them. What is Khabith and what is Tayyib? Khabith is bad, impure. And what is Tayyib? Good, clean, pure. Now, Khabith could be a person, could be a statement, could be an action, could be certain food. The question is, when is a person Khabith? When is food Khabith? When is an action Khabith? When is a word, a statement Khabith? When? Which kind of person is called khabis? Someone who is sinful, who does khiyana, treacherous, lies, okay, dishonest, he is insincere, someone who has hypocrisy, someone who has bad akhlaq, he doesn't treat people well. Such a person is called what? Khabis. He's a khabis person. Someone who is under the influence of shaitan. Someone who sleeps through 
fajr because of the influence of shaitan. In the hadith we learn that a person who sleeps through fajr, shaitan has tied knots on him and he's not able to open any of those knots. He doesn't wake up, he doesn't rub his face, he doesn't clean his nose, he doesn't do wudu, he doesn't pray salah. He wakes up, khabith nafs khabith impure because of the influence of shaitan on him. This is who? Khabith. Food. When is food khabith? When it is haram. Even if it looks really, really good, still it is khabith. You know, sometimes you see that certain drinks which are haram, they are presented so well in such beautiful glasses with that ice in them and the way people are drinking it and the kind of names that are given. Huh? The kind of names that are given to those drinks. But still, they are khabith. Why? Because they are haram. Likewise, there could be a certain cut of meat. Haram. If it's haram, then it is khabith. It is impure. You might say, but it's absolutely clean. There is no bacteria on it. And once you've cooked it, it's clean anyway. So why won't you eat it? Because it is khabith. Not in the tangible sense, but in the intangible sense. Likewise, certain actions, they are khabith. Which ones? Which kind of actions are khabith? Breaking a promise, hitting someone, and they don't deserve that at all. This is all khabith. Certain words are khabith. Which kind of words are khabith? Foul language, bad words, hurtful words, they're all khabith. On the other hand, tayyib. When is a person tayyib? When he has iman, ikhlas, when he has good akhlaq, good manners, good etiquette, when he is clean in his body, when he has done wudu, when he is in the state of tahara, when he maintains his hygiene, tayyib person, and he has iman in his heart as well, that is what? Tayyib person. Food. When is food tayyib? When it is halal. And it's also beneficial for a person. That is what? Tayyib food. For example, the Prophet ﷺ was presented, when he went for mi'raj, he was presented wine and milk. What did he take? Milk. Why? Because that is tayyib. That is cleaner. That is better. It is purer. It is halal. Actions. When are they tayyib? When they're good. Words. When are they tayyib? When they're good. Nice, pleasing words. True words. Beneficial words. They're tayyib. So Allah says that khabith and tayyib are not at the same level. Would you agree? One person hurts you a lot because of what they say. And there is another person who made your day by what they said. Would you place them at the same level? No, never. You'd never place them at the same level. One would be very, very down and the other would be very, very high in your eyes. Likewise, one type of food, one type of food, even though it's very expensive, very pricey, apparently very good, but it is haram. And at the same time, there is another kind of food which is halal. Would you place it at the same level? Would you buy both of them? Would you eat both of them? No. Which one would you take? Tayyib. You would take that which is good, which is clean, which is better. So we understand also that tayyib is better than khabis. Tayyib and khabis are never the same. They can never be at the same level. 
But in some matters, we think they're the same. It's no difference. And sometimes we begin to prefer khabith over tayyib. Why? Because we are confused because of how common khabith is. Because how commonly practiced khabith is. How much accepted it is. So because of that, we think it's okay. And we wonder what's the big deal? Why is this haram? Why is it not okay to do this? Allah says, remember, that it is not equal. وَلَوْ أَعْجَبَكَ كَثْرَةُ الْخَبِيثِ Even if the abundance of khabiz may amaze you, may impress you. أَعْجَبَكَ From إِعْجَاب عَنْ جِنْبَى When you're amazed by something. You're amazed. Why are you amazed? Because of the kathra of khabiz. What does it mean by kathra? It's abundance. That how common it is. That it's everywhere. But if it's khabith, it is khabith, even if everyone's doing it. So we should remember that tayyib is not what people call tayyib, and khabith is not what people call khabith. We should not do something just because people are doing it, and we should not leave something just because people are leaving it. We call something tayyib when Allah says it is tayyib, and we do it. And we call something khabiz when Allah says it is khabiz and we leave it. وَلَوْ أَعْجَبَكَ كَثْرَةُ الْخَبِيثِ Even if the abundance of khabiz amazes you, their variety, their abundance, how common they are, that impresses you. And when you are impressed by it, then you want to do it. Because think about it, what do you like to do? Or rather, what do you do? That which you like. That which you are attracted to. That which you are impressed by. And if you're not impressed by something, even if you're told a hundred benefits, would you do it? Well, you wouldn't do it. Think about it. Sometimes, there may be the most inappropriate way of dressing up. A very, very inappropriate way of dressing up. But still, people dress up like that. Don't they have this common sense that it's not appropriate to wear clothes in that manner. But still they do it. Why? Because it's so common. Everybody's doing it. It's so acceptable to everyone. That's why people do it. Allah says, وَلَوْ أَعْجَبَكَ كَثْرَةُ الْخَبِيثِ Even if the abundance of khabith impresses you, still don't do it. Even if you're attracted to it, you should not do it. And the thing is that we should not like khabith. We should not be attracted to khabith. We cannot leave something until we dislike it. So khabith is something that we should dislike. Anything that contradicts what Allah has said, we should dislike it. We should not have any kind of attraction in our heart for it. And you really have to accept what Allah has told you. Read it over and over again. Remind yourself of the akhirah. Then you can be averse to khabith. And then you can like tayyib. Now tell me some things which are tayyib, but we don't like to do it. Because we are repelled by it. Something that could be good. Allah says it is good. Which is why He has commanded us to do it. But we are not attracted to it. We don't want to do it. We are rather averse to it. Can you tell me some things? Give me like practical things that everyone struggles with. Or most people struggle with. Listening to your mother. Is it something good? 
Yes, it is. Because Allah has told us, وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا So listening to your mother has got to be a tayyib action. Right? It has to be a tayyib action. But many times we believe that it's not cool. Why? Because we watch certain TV programs, we watch certain cartoons in which we see that parents know nothing. Isn't it? That parents, they have no idea, they don't know anything. We watch such TV programs, that's the kind of behavior that we see of people towards their parents. And my parents, they live in a different world, they have no idea. My mom knows nothing. She's so dumb. She's uneducated. I don't even think she's graduated high school. She never went to university. She was brought up in some other country. She doesn't even know how to speak English. She's got an accent. She doesn't even know how to dress up properly. She doesn't even know how to say certain words properly. You know what I'm talking about, right? And we say, oh my mom, she doesn't, you know what? she says this word like this, right? And we make fun of our mom sometimes. Somebody was telling me that their children, they make fun of their English, the way that they pronounce certain words. And it is funny, okay, because it's different. You don't hear it that often. So you find it funny. But just because of that, it doesn't mean that we disobey some person and we look down on them. Especially when they have a higher status than us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them that high status. But the common belief is it's uncool to listen to your mom. So I'm going to be very cold towards my mom. I'm going to say this to my mom. Let me see what happens. I'm going to give her those looks. And I'm going to roll my eyes. And we think we'll look so cool. It's a khabith action. But what do we think? How cool. I can say that to my mom. I'm actually so confident. I rule. I can do whatever I want. She can't stop me. It's a khabith action. Khabith look. Khabith response. Khabith manner of speaking to the mother. But we think, oh, it's good. Fine. Allah says, no. وَلَوْ أَعْجَبَكَ كَثْرَةُ الْخَبِيثِ Even if the abundance of this khabith action impresses you, and as a result, you want to do it. Still don't do it. Any other example of something that is khabith but we think it's tayyib? The television, it's full of so many programs all the time. There's something or the other coming and everybody's watching. There's a television in every house, in some houses, in every room. Kathratul khabith. It's so common. And it's so strange if you find out somebody doesn't have a television in their house. It's so weird. Really? You guys don't have a television? You don't let your children watch television? So people find it strange. They find it weird. Your parents may have certain rules for the house. That everybody has to be at home at dinner. You can't be anywhere else. Or for example, you cannot be out after Maghrib. It doesn't matter if you're going with your best friend and her parents. We don't like you to go anywhere outside after Maghrib. That's the rule of your house. Or the rule is that you don't get to go with your friends to certain places. Or you don't get to go with certain friends. Why? Because your parents believe this is khabis. Why? Because it contradicts your deen or it may be harmful towards your deen. But what do we think? Everybody's doing it. Clothes. The way that we dress up sometimes, we don't even think how we're dressing up, we're just imitating others. It's a khabis way of dressing up, 
that a woman is dressed up in a way that her entire body is being exposed. And I'm not talking about it being naked. I'm talking about it being exposed because of the tightness of the clothes, because of the shortness of the dress. But what do we think? Everybody's doing it. And sometimes we don't even realize that we're walking before who? Other men. And they may be your father, they may be your brother, they may be your cousin, they may be your brother-in-law, whoever. But they are men. And it's not appropriate to dress up like that in front of them. We walk outside wearing such clothes and it is inappropriate. Think about it. Would you go like that before the Prophet ﷺ? Would you? Would you ever? When you step out of the house, think about it. Would you walk in the streets of Medina like that? Would you walk in the streets of Mecca like that? Would you walk into Al-Huda like that? Forget Mecca, Medina. Al-Huda, masjid. Would you walk into a masjid like that? If you can't, why? Because your heart tells you it's not right. But it's just that we are accepted if we wear those clothes in certain places. This is why we wear such clothes over there. But we should remember that Allah is watching us, whether we're at Awudah, or we're at the mall, or we're at school. A Muslim is someone who has one personality. He doesn't have two faces. He doesn't have two lives. That in one place, he dresses up in a particular manner. And in another place, he dresses up in a completely different way. This is what? What do we call this? Being two-faced is what? Hypocrisy, right? So how is it that we don't call this hypocrisy? That in certain places when we go, we're always dressed up in a particular way. And in other places, we have a completely different personality. We're a completely different individual. Likewise, throughout you know, your life, you are dressed up in a particular way. And on the day of your wedding, or on the day that you go to your sister's wedding, hijab is gone. All that concept of haya is gone. What is this? You're one person. Stay one. Be yourself. Don't do khabith just because people like it, just because people do it. Walau Don't do it because it's khabith. It's bad. It's dirty. Leave it. I was remembering the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi He said, if I order the human being to do sajda for another human being, I will be ordering a woman to do sajda for her husband. But some women, they say, I make my husband like a ring in my finger. And that's not good. <laughs> so tayyib is what? Being dutiful to the husband, being obedient, being nice, being respectful. But many women are attracted towards khabis behavior towards their husband that treat him like nothing. You know, shout at him, yell at him, so that you can have some control over him. But the way to win a husband's heart is how? By respecting him, not by disrespecting him. Also regarding um, dressing in different ways for different situations, there'll be girls who will wear hijab for the entire school year or for the entire like middle school, high school. And then when it comes to graduation or it comes to prom for that one picture, they will take it off. And it sort of negates the purpose and the, and the benefit that you had and the perception that people had of you for those entire three years for that when that final day that you have or that final picture that you have. And you it goes to the yearbook. And recently we had a school, a talk in our school about how, like, dress codes and appropriate behaviors in our schools. And um, what they were telling us is that when you come to school, dress in between where the way you dress to go f- to your grandma's house. And, well, obviously we can't go to, but go to a club. So dress in the middle. 
And I was thinking, oh, like, we don't go to a club, but, like, parties and, like, whatever it is, Muslims should be dressing the same way either way. Whether you're going to Al-Huda or you're going out in public or you're going to the mall shopping with your friends, there shouldn't be a two-side because Allah is looking at you the same as He is looking at you in Al-Huda and the same as He is looking at you in the mall. Exactly. So it's not like it's forgiven in one area because the situation yeah. is different. Yes, because if you are doing something for the sake of Allah and that's the reason why you should be doing everything in the first place, then you should be like that everywhere. Not just in one place. Once somebody said to me, I was at a wedding and um, the segregation was not proper so I had my hijab on. They're like, you still have the same kind of hijab on. Like you're still like dressed the way you go to Al-Huda. I said, yeah, I go everywhere in the same way. I wear the same kind of abayas and same kind of hijabs. Whatever I wear here, I wear to the mall, I wear to the grocery store, I wear to people's houses. And if it's appropriate, I will take my hijab abaya off. But if it's not, then I will keep it on. It doesn't matter if it's a wedding. Hijab is hijab. If they're men, I have to keep it on. I don't mind if I'm wearing this when teaching and I don't mind if I'm wearing this in a party. If when there's a need, I will keep that hijab on. Because sometimes we have this issue as well, that we go to certain places and we wear extremely beautiful hijabs. Extremely beautiful hijabs. I mean, people don't wear clothes like that, the kind of hijabs that we wear sometimes. So we have to be careful. So, وَلَوْ أَعْجَبَكَ كَثْرَةُ الْخَبِيدِ Even if the commonness, the abundance of khabiz amazes you, you want to do it, still don't do it. Rather, you should dislike khabiz from the bottom of your heart. You should dislike khabiz. And one of the ways of disliking khabiz is that don't look at it too much. The more you look at it, the more you want it. Would you agree with me? The more you see and look for something, the more you're going to want to have it. So for example, if you go to the mall and you're looking at the different kinds of short dresses, for instance, or inappropriate clothes, like for example, extremely tight pants. If you're looking in that section again and again, then you're going to want to buy a pair of those pants. I mean, it's different if you wear that in front of your husband when there's nobody else there. That's a different story. But wearing that in front of your brothers and your sisters and your parents, that's inappropriate, right? It's a different thing if you wear it under the arbaya, and it's a different thing when you wear it without the arbaya. So, don't even look at these things. Because the more you look at these things, the more you're going to want to have them. I was thinking how people want this impurity. They kind of see the deen, like referring to a cup, like half empty, because they want that thing that everyone else has. And they think that, you know, oh, how come I can't have this? How come everyone else gets to do this? But, you know, we should think that, you know, like it is half full. And Allah SWT gave us so many other options and so many other alternatives. Yes. And But people are just so blinded by how everyone else gets to do so many other things. And that's why they can't see the yes. good. Yes, that we think our deen is so restrictive and it's so difficult, I can't do it. But think about it. Everything that Allah has forbidden for you, it is what? Khabis. So when you look at certain, for example, pants, which are extremely tight, then remember that it is khabis. You might say, but it looks so nice. Really? Somebody's bum sticking out? Is that nice? I'm sorry for being so open about this, but tell me, is it nice? Men staring at women's bottoms. Is that nice? You know what kind of thoughts they're having in their heads at that time? Do you have any idea? 
Unfortunately, we are so naive that we don't even know what's going on in their heads. And we think, oh, it's cool, everybody's dressed like that. Really, if you have a brother, if you have a husband, ask them what kind of things go in men's heads when they see a woman's body being exposed in this way. Certain parts of her body being highlighted because of the kind of clothes that she's wearing. You could have a hijab on, but if your shirt is so tight, your hijab is not covering your, your chest so that your breasts are so visible, your shirt is so short that your bottom is exposed. Every time you walk, every move of your body is so seductive. I'm sorry, this is khabis. Just a little while ago, this kind of clothing and behavior was seen on models who were paid so that people would buy those clothes or people would invest in those things. And here you are selling yourself basically. I'm just going to take it one step further and say that I think even friends that you have on Facebook can facilitate or people you are following. So a lot of bloggers out there or YouTube videos especially expose girls to those kind of um, behaviors and it makes it normal. So I think you have to be careful. And if you are on Facebook, hide those people. Don't keep them on your news feed because the more you see it, I'm not even just talking about clothes, but even your friends, if they're posting pictures that you don't want to see or videos that you shouldn't be looking at, the more you see it, the more common it becomes. So for, for example, one of my friends used to watch Bollywood movies all the time before YouTube became popular. And she would see the songs and she would be okay with it. And she was like a practicing Muslim. And someone who doesn't watch those kind of things, they find it so khabith, right? So I think it's like how much you're exposed to it, the more normal it becomes. Yes. It's the same thing with Facebook. Yes. And remember that when we do khabith ourselves, we are making it more common. We are making it more common. Just the other day, I was thinking that here are these little girls and they're dressed so inappropriately. And these same girls, they'll become older, but they have no concept of hijab, of wearing modest clothing. What will happen when they become mothers? How will their children dress up? In a much worse way, right? Which is why we see that every generation turns out to be more immodest compared to the previous. So remember that when we do khabith ourselves, we are making khabith more common. When you use a bad word, don't you give somebody else the confidence to use that word as well? You do. When you hear somebody saying a word that is inappropriate, then you're like, yeah, I can say it too. And you say it. You try it once, and then you try it again, and it becomes second nature. About shaitan, that the first thing shaitan attacks to us is, he takes our haya away from us. You know, he makes us feel comfortable when we are wearing less clothing. And that's what he did with uh, Hawa as, and Adam as Adam well. Is, yes. Right? They, uh, um, you know, and they're... That he pride. made them eat the fruit of the tree so that their clothing would be taken away, so that their bodies would be exposed. Because yes. haya, when that's gone, then fasnar ma shita. And you know, it's so common when people are wearing less clothing or tight clothing, they feel so comfortable. And when they're wearing a lot of clothes or covering themselves, they feel uncomfortable. And that's from shaitan. Yes, definitely. So check your wardrobe, check yourself, ask yourself, would I wear these clothes to a huda? Would I walk into a masjid like that? And if you won't, then go change. Because Allah's watching you here. And Allah's watching you everywhere. And at the end of the day, we are answerable to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? So, 
قل لا يستوي الخبيث والطيب ولو اعجبك كثره الخبيث فاتق الله سفير الله يا اول الالباب او بيبل اوف سنس او بيبل اوف ريزن او بيبل اوف انتلكت اف يو هاف مايندز فير الله and because the fear of allah leave khabees la'allakum tuflihun so that you can be successful assalamu alaikum at my work place like there is this non muslim man he was once asking me about after seeing a woman dressed up inappropriately a muslim woman with hijab and he was saying how can you call this modesty when she's wearing a disco hijab and dressed up like this and i was so ashamed yes. I, i couldn't answer him She's wearing a disco hijab and dressed so inappropriately. So you may have a hijab on your head, your hair is covered, your neck is covered, but really ask yourself, does this clothing befit a Muslimah? Does this clothing befit a Muhsinah? A woman who likes to have taqwa? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he tells us we are all responsible of our ra'iyah. So uh, as a parent, it's our responsibility to buy for our kids. We shouldn't just give them money and go get whatever you want yeah. until they reach maturity age. Yes. And then if they re- after they reach maturity age, yeah. hold us. But yes. before that, it's our responsibility. Yes. So if still your mom doesn't let you go shopping alone or she wants to see what you buy, don't think that your mom is interfering in your life too much because it is her responsibility. Assalamu alaikum. Um, I just wanted to say that sometimes it's not so much about what you wear, but the attitude that you have as well. Yes. Uh, we've seen people who are dressed up appropriately, yeah. have the proper hijab, but then they say these words and you're like, okay, did it just come out of her mouth? Yeah. So it, it's about attitude as well. Yes, definitely. Khabith in every way. Clothing as well as your manners, your actions, every way. So khabith and tayyib are never the same no matter how common khabith is. فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ يَا أُولِي الْأَلْبَابِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ So fear Allah, O people of intellect. And what does that mean? That you should like or dislike something because of it being tayyib or khabith. Not because of what people say. لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ So that you can be successful. And we just focused a little too much on clothes. Also in actions, right? That one action you are doing with sincerity of heart, solely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to make Him happy, it could be a very small deed. That is much better than a deed which may be very big, done to please people, make them happy, impress them. or many deeds which are done to make people happy. One deed of sincerity, which is tayyib. What do we learn from hadith? That Allah is tayyib, He accepts only that which is tayyib. When a person spends from his purest wealth for the sake of Allah, even if it's the size of a date, then Allah makes it grow. Allah makes it grow, meaning He increases the reward for a person. Up to the size of Mount Uhud. Imagine one date turning into the size of Mount Uhud. because of it being pure, sincere for the sake of Allah. There's a story that is told about one of the queens of the Muslim ummah. Not that she ruled, but she was the wife of the Khalifa. Not sure if her official title was queen, but whatever it was, she was the wife of the Khalifa. She was very, very charitable. When she found out that the people of Makkah, they had very little water. Her name was Zubaydah, by the way. That they had very little water. She had a river dug from... so far away, all the way to Makkah, so that people could have access to drinking water. They wouldn't be thirsty, and they had water to use. And it was a huge thing. 
Imagine how much money would have been spent on it. But she had that done for the Muslims. And people were very, very happy because of that. And till today she is remembered because of that great act of charity. And it is said that when she died, somebody saw her in their dream. And they asked her that, how did you find yourself? She said that Allah has forgiven me. And they said that because of the river that you had dug out for the people, the water that you made available to them. She said, no, not that. It was a two rakat that I prayed in the middle of the night once because of which Allah forgave me. Two rakat that I prayed in the middle of the night just once. And because of that, Allah forgave me. Not because of this huge deed that I did. So the reality is that our focus should not be on the quantity, but the quality. It could be a small deed, but if it's done with sincerity for Allah, that is far better than khabis. It is also said there was a da'i, a person who used to call people to Allah, do lots of da'wah. And he also, when he died, somebody saw him in their dream, and they asked him that, did you find Allah's forgiveness? And he said, yes. And he said, for all the da'wah that you did? He said, no. Not that. But he mentioned another small deed that he had done because of which Allah forgave him. So our focus many times is on the quantity. Even if it's khabis. You know like sometimes when people see a sale, they just want to buy anything. Even if it's khabis quality. Because why? They say, it's only for a dollar. It's only two dollars. But it is broken, it is chipped, it is old, it is not good. But two dollars only. Buy as much as you want. But it's khabis. We get very impressed by the quantity of something. And we ignore the quality. So quality is important. Allah says, فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ يَا أُولِي الْأَلْبَابِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ So that you can be successful.